It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome to our post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, The Browns Losers to the Bengals, 23-10. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, this part is going to sound a little different than what you might hear later on the podcast. We're working on some technical issues, so uh, Mary Kay and I right now are sitting in a radio booth here in Cincinnati recording on my phone. So uh, apologize if the audio isn't quite to the level that we are usually at, but uh, here we go with our post-game pod. Mary Kay... Let's just be real general here. Um, what did you come away from this game? Like, what's your big takeaway from this game today? You know, Dan, my takeaway from this game is that they had a real opportunity here. Joe Burrow was out there playing without Tyler Boyd, without T. Higgins, without Hayden Hurst, three of his top weapons. It was an opportunity for the Browns to win this game. And not only that, uh, then to come home six days later to host the Ravens and they might have a third string quarterback. Certainly the Browns, if they could have won this game, uh, they had an opportunity to win out. And in that scenario, anything could have happened. They could have still been in it. Now I think the big takeaway is uh, even if they do win out, for all intents and purposes, they're not making the playoffs this season. It's basically over. That's what this felt like, a nail in the coffin. Now a lot of the players said you know, different things after the game about, you know, we still have this and we still have that. Right now their playoff chances are at about 2%, and it looks like either the Ravens or the Bengals are going to win the division. Um, The Browns can't get to 10. The best they can do is get to nine. Um, So they're not going to win the division. And nine is not going to be, I don't think, enough to win, you know, to get a wild card spot. So this, even though, uh, you know, they still have this little 2% chance, it's basically over. It's over. And we really haven't been able to say that up until this point. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the the playoff picture right now, you've got, uh, we talked about the division, uh, you know, a one win by either the Ravens or Bengals means the AFC North is done for the Browns. Conference-wise, you know, we're recording this before Miami plays the Chargers tonight, but the problem is you don't have the type by Miami beat you, the Jets beat you, the Patriots beat you, the Chargers beat you. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of these teams that if you ended up tied at nine wins, they have that head-to-head over you. Right. So it would be really difficult um, at five and eight to get there. And it might take 10 wins to get that, that seven seed. Or even if it's nine, you've got to win a tiebreaker that you just might not have. So I did get the sense, you know, Miles... You know, you asked him about it today, and he said, you know, as long as that door is cracked open a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I also got the sense, sort of like guys were talking out of both sides of their mouths a little bit, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we still have a chance. But there, I feel like there was sort of a, maybe not coming out and saying it, but an acknowledgement that, like, it's a very, very slim, slim chance. Yeah, it is a very slim chance. But I actually think it's enough of a chance that they will play really, really hard against the Ravens on Saturday at First Energy Stadium. And they're going to go out there and they're going to do everything they possibly can to win that game and to get to six victories. And as long as they have a sliver of hope, this team is going to continue to play really, really hard. And I think the other thing uh, that, you know, that we both recognized, obviously, and everybody else did in this game is the fact that the lights are starting to come on a little bit for Deshaun Watson. Now it's too late for the most part. It's too little too late. I'm getting ready to write something about that right now. Um, But 
you know, you can see that the future is probably going to be pretty darn bright with him at quarterback. Unfortunately for him, they blew too many opportunities this season for it still to be this year. And it could have been. Yeah. And, I, you know, I thought today there were certainly strides offensive but but it also wasn't quite good enough too you know he threw it he threw a bad interception um and there was some time you know took some sacks there was some indecisiveness it still looked it didn't look like Deshaun Watson yet but I do think that's one of the positive takeaways from this game is when you watch Deshaun Watson especially in the second half there were some moments and there were some throws where you were like oh okay I see it now I'm you know the one where uh, he had a, a defender wrap, Cam Sample wrapped around his leg, mm-hmm. uh, and he threw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. That was reminiscent of a throw he made in Cleveland in the wind and the rain a few years ago. Um, there, there was a really nice throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. A lot of these were Donovan Peoples-Jones. There was a really nice throw to him um, at, at some point. I think it was in the third quarter for 20-plus yards. So those are the little things that you kind of take away from this, thinking, okay, you can see where this is going, but... Like, it's just not quite there yet. And even with those missed opportunities early in the year, I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson is going to quite get there soon enough or if he would have gotten there soon enough to, to kind of rescue this team. Yeah, and, you know, you still have to ask yourself yeah. in this game. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I was kind of asking about this as of last week when they – when they beat the Texans and they were still in it, knowing that this was such a must-win game for them, should they have at least thought about starting Jacoby Brissett? I mean, would Jacoby Brissett have been able to put more than 10 points on the board today? Do you think so? Pro- probably. Yeah. I, it might probably. not have been enough. I mean, it might not have been enough to win the game. And I understand when it's time to go to Deshaun Watson, you go to Deshaun Watson. But I think there should have been at least – some consideration given to starting the guy who is in sync with this football team, who has his timing down uh, with everyone. Now, again, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference because Amari Cooper was not very healthy today. Uh, he wasn't able to, to be himself and to run those deeper routes and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, I just have to wonder if, if they shouldn't have given a little bit more thought uh, to, to just trying to get this one. And then if, if they lost this one, then go ahead and start Deshaun for the rest of the season. Okay. So, so this begs the question. This, this is a very, this is an organization that prides itself on being smart and thinking, you know, forward thinking, thinking down the road. Do you think there was a part of them that kind of understood like this is the longest of long shots for us to make the playoffs, even going into last week? And, like, it's just better. I mean, Alex Van Pelt this week, you you wrote it, basically said, I'd rather get Deshaun Watson the reps. Mm-hmm. You know, which to me just sounds like they're not coming out and saying that they're, they're going to try to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. certainly. But, you know, you, you've got to get Deshaun out there. And, you know, are you going to chase that longest of long shots or are you going to get your franchise quarterback ready for what could be a big run next year? Well, you know, it seems like, you know, that's what they were willing to do. And I can see the wisdom in it to a degree. Like they probably just thought, you know, realistically speaking, but until somebody does knock on your door and tell you that you are out of it and you're going home and you're done, then I think you have to operate as though um, you have to give your team the best possible chance to win. And do we think that Jacoby Brissett, or Deshaun Watson gave the Cleveland Browns the best chance to win this football game. I think it's a tough call. I think it's a very tough call. Uh, again, I, I don't know if Jacoby would have been able to pull it off, pull it out. I mean, we know that he did beat them in the first meeting. Yeah. And they scored 32 points. Yeah. So perhaps they could have won this game had they started Jacoby. I don't know. It's a lot of what ifs, but, um, but you know, I just, I will always wonder about that. I, and I think it's fair. I think it's fair to wonder, like, I mean, you had a chance to play two division games in the span of seven days, mm-hmm. and you win both those games. You know, you you aren't, like, in the driver's seat, but you're, you're like, fully in the car. Like, you're right there, and you're right. pushing your way towards the driver's seat. And so I, I, think, I think that's an interesting discussion. I, I think it's something that is worth asking. And by the way, I, like – 
if you're going to go with Deshaun Watson, if he's going to be your guy, what do you think of the decision to, on that fourth and one, bring Jacoby in and throw the ball deep? That was weird. I thought that was I a little weird. I thought it was weird. weird, too. I think sometimes you can go too a little too far down the rabbit hole of like nitpicking individual plays. Yeah. I just thought that specific play was weird. And I think, like, Deshaun Watson, we saw it at one. We saw it, he converted a fourth down late in the game, you know, and we saw him convert another play on a read option. Like, he's more dangerous than Jacoby Brissett in those situations anyway. So why not just leave your $230 million quarterback on the field? I don't know what happened there. I don't know if Jacoby saw something and decided to take it uh, as opposed to whatever else they could have done there. But I, I think that was it. I think Jacoby took an opportunity. Maybe. And I, I mean, we don't know for sure. <laughs> but um, but he overthrew Donovan Peoples-Jones there, and you do have to come away with points there, especially – uh, when you see what's going on with the Bengals early on, they, they went three and out on their first drive. They were struggling. Uh, they were go- going to be having a hard time. They needed a gimmick, a flea flicker to really break open the game. And so, um, so yeah, I thought it was a little bit of a, a curious choice to do that in that very crucial, critical situation. Okay. The rest of this season, then, how, how do you kind of view it moving forward? Is, is this all about Deshaun? Is this basically like preseason 2023 already where it's like all about Deshaun Watson and figuring out how this works and just building this momentum into the spring so that you can, when you everybody shows up for OTAs, you're going to hit the ground running and you're just going to carry that straight into next season. Is that what these last four games are about? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yes. But I think the first thing that they have to do is carry out the ruse that they have to win this game against the Ravens. You cannot act like for your players, for your coaches, or for your fans that you are throwing in the towel and just thinking about next season. Because the truth of the matter is nobody has eliminated you from the playoffs yet. Nobody has said you absolutely cannot do this. So I think you have to proceed as though maybe you can. And so I think they have to go out and pull out all the stops and they have to try to win this football game on Saturday at First Energy Stadium. If they lose that game, then there might be some mat- mathematical elimination that happens on Saturday. They would, yeah, they would be out of the division. We would know they'd they be out of the division. That's done. And then it, it, some of it might depend on what happens Sunday. Right. Um, they'd be in some trouble, though, for sure. Right. But I think, I, th- I think they still have to go out and they owe it to everybody uh, to, you know, to go with that 2% chance that they have and try to win uh, that football game on Saturday. And if they... Once they are eliminated from playoff contention, absolutely, truly, genuinely cannot make the playoffs, then you can start to to think in different terms. Then maybe you start to play some different players here and there. You try some different things. You, um, you know, you think about the future a little bit more. But for right now, you do everything that you possibly can to win this game. Okay, uh, Browns are going to face the Ravens in front of a national TV audience. That is Saturday at 4.30. Uh, the Ravens might be playing their third-string quarterback, a guy that I found out today was teammates with John Johnson III at Boston College. Who knew? Uh, so they'll, they'll be facing someone that uh, Browns fans certainly have not seen before. Uh, what we're going to do now is we are going to take a break And we will try to get recorded with Doug, Irie, and Ashley on the other side. Mary Kay, we'll let you go. Sounds good. Thanks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. 
technical problems from Cincinnati. We blame the Bengals. They're too worried about football, not worried enough about the internet. Doug Lamery's here now with Dan Lobby, Irie Harris, and Ashley Bastock going over again what happened in Cincinnati, which I think was the final death of the 2022 Cleveland Browns, which I want, if it is Dan Lobby, if this was it, I want to make sure that we bury them correctly because they do not get to move on to looking ahead to next year without us talking about how they punted this season of a bunch of guys they're paying a lot of money in their prime. So just to clarify, was this it? Yes, this this was it. This was the end. They are not officially eliminated, but if they lose Saturday, they will be officially out of the AFC North picture. All Since here, Baltimore needs to win one more game, and the Browns can't win the North. And they have almost no tiebreakers in these wild card matchups they've, because they've lost to all these teams. Like they've lost to the Chargers and the Patriots and the Jets and the Dolphins and a whole bunch of teams. So they are not officially eliminated, but it is the longest of long shots. Like it's Homer Simpson in that episode of The Simpsons trying to jump the, the Springfield Canyon. He's going to try, but he's not going to make it. And they're, that's it. They're done. So. Ashley, if if that if that is the case, what was it like watching the last gasp of this Cleveland Browns team on Sunday? Did it feel like a last gasp? Did it feel like, okay, we can say goodbye to these guys now? Um, I don't know that it necessarily felt like that in the moment. But what I will say is it did kind of to me and I wrote this in my first story immediately after the game, like it kind of just summed up this season as a whole, right? Like they're not good, but they're not totally in like the basement dwellers of the NFL this year. They're very medium. And it was just like a very medium result. And, you know, the Bengals looked terrible in the first part of this game, you know, despite winning it by like two scores. Um, It wasn't this high-flying showdown that I think a lot of people, myself included, expected it to be because they were without so many offensive weapons. Um, But it just kind of, like, is what it is. Like, and it's kind of what I've been saying. Like, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to come in here and solve all their problems. And once again, what's been a major problem all year for them? Discipline. On the field. And they have, like, a million penalties today. Really, it was, like, nine, four offensive, five defensive. But they cost themselves like 90-some yards with it. So it was just kind of like an expected ending for me. Like, I don't know that I was like, oh, this is it. Like, it's some big goodbye because they do still have these other games to go. And and But, yeah, I mean, it's it just feels like if they lose this, it's over knowing, like, the tiebreaker situation. Irie, I will be very happy to stop having these guys talk about the playoffs and stop talking about we're still alive. And it's ridiculous to me. This team has attempted to fool people all year. And it's, this is merciful. I think that we can, can we get rid of the playoff word? I like, are we done? Can we not bring that word up for the last month of the season that, Oh, if they win out and everybody else loses all their games, like, can we make sure that the players don't keep talking about that? Playoffs, the playoffs. I hope they can win Saturday. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm very. Uh, I, I think I, I speak for us all. Not that I have, not that I'm, I'm even eligible in that position. But I think I speak for us all when I say that I am tired of hearing the same old speeches when it comes to fans. You know, we have to be better. I have to go back to the drawing board and learn from our mistakes. I'm tired of hearing about these playoff touches. I'm tired of the over expectations regarding Deshaun Watson being the Lord and Savior for this franchise. There were problems deeper than just uh, uh, not being disciplined and roughing the punter when, and getting five penalties within a single series that leads to an opposing team's uh, touchdown drive 85 yards down. There's so many more deeper uh, deeper problems within this franchise that have to be taken and have to be done from top to bottom. It's honestly going to be a waste of a season. And this was the worst. That was the last thing and hope I wanted to see, but it, it is what it is at this point. Dan, I can remember at our preseason uh, gathering with some of the most loyal Orange and Brown Talk listeners talking about the idea of they don't get a free pass for punting this year just because Deshaun Watson got suspended. So I, I just want, I want them to wallow in that. I want 
the Haslam's and Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski to absorb from the fans that they blew this because they are better than this and they play losing football. I'm not going to say they're losers, but they play losing football a million different ways. Everyone talks about complimentary football. They are the most uncomplimentary team in the NFL because if the defense is defense is decent, the offense stinks. If the offense is moving the ball, the special team screws something up. If the defense plays well, the offense can't score any points. They never play together. They do different, thing wrong, different things wrong all the time. And the result is they are here and they should not be here. But they blew this year by choice and by badness. Wish I had a better word there. And they have, you have to hang that on them, Dan. We have to pin this to them. They blew this year of Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward and everybody else. And I do not want to let them slink off into the night and slink off into, let's get ready for next year, everybody, when you punted this year when it could have been something. That's not too much, is it? I think you were very smart and strong on that early in the year that they don't get away with that. No, they, no, they don't. They, they wasted this season through – I mean, just think of the ways they lost this year. You had the Jets, the Jets game where you had a running back who should have, like, gone down and didn't – and all that stuff, right? You had that weird Jets loss. You had the Falcons game where they just ran, like, all over you. You had special teams gaffes and, you know, like, what happens if Kate York doesn't make a 58-yard field goal, which has been an outlier this year, we've, we've come to find out. But they, they don't get a pass they, because you still had – Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb and Nunzel Ward and Amari Cooper. And you had all this talent. You had this great offensive line. You should have won games that you didn't win. And I do think it's okay to be like, okay, the rest of this season now is about getting Deshaun Watson right and getting him up to speed. But also, like, that shouldn't have ever been the case. It, you should have been in the playoff race at this point. These games still should have had more meaning than they did and you wasted a season and i think that's i think that's true that they blew this year and and they wasted it and it's one more year off of these guys careers ashley i'm not going to gloat too much because this game was not as much of a blowout but also the Bengals played without without t higgins and without tyler boyd and uh still managed to control the entire game Uh, against the Browns. This was like one of the things this Browns team could hang on to, Ashley, was that they did have the Bengals number for whatever reason. Did something flip today, right? Is this like it's one more thing that the Browns can't grasp onto, and it's a monkey off the back of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. From that aspect of these two teams in Ohio, what did you think this game meant for the big picture? Is it weird, Dan, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I'm not putting a ton of stock like into it totally flipping or anything of that nature. Like I do think, you know, for as much as we talk about, well, the Bengals didn't have like three of these guys. um, I do think like that kind of forced them to use Joe Mixon a little bit more, which like Zach Taylor, for whatever reason, like just didn't do against them before. Um, I don't know that he would have made that adjustment had a lot of those pass catchers played. Um, and it's not like Joe Mixon necessarily killed him. Like Joe Burrow made some throws and some of these throws were just like great throws. We talked to Greg Newsom about that first touchdown that he threw to Jamar Chase. And like, that's just a perfectly placed throw that you as a defensive back really can't do much unless you're making like a highlight real top 10 level play, which like they have had sometimes like Denzel Ward's pick six is the example, but like, I think it's unfair to the Browns to like chalk up all their wins in this to luck. And I do think, like, a big part of it still is this was Deshaun Watson's second game back. And, like, I agree with Dan completely in that I don't think they get a pass on this season and just get to punt on this season because, oh, we signed Deshaun and he was out 11 games. Like, I've been with, you know, on this idea of they should have planned for that better and you can't afford to waste years of these guys and you should have, you know, taken that into account before you make a deal like this. But I think, like, if anything, this rivalry is just maybe kind of more fun because it was, like, pretty one-sided so far in Joe Burrow's time in Cincinnati. Uh, But I don't feel like just because of today that it totally flipped and, oh, my gosh, how are the Browns ever going to beat the Bengals now? That's not how I 
feel coming out of here. I don't know about Dan. I didn't feel like the Bengals played I didn't particularly played well today. Yeah. And they still won the game, which exactly. is telling about exactly. the <laughs> I tweeted during the game, the Browns lost to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and a bunch of dudes named Trent. So I, you know, I don't know what to – I guess this has sort of been the theme of this year, right? Like the Browns played well enough to win, but then Tony Fields ran into the punter for some reason. And, you know, like – it's just weird that, you know, Deshaun Watson throws an interception on, on a ball, like a, just a miserable interception, even when he had been playing pretty well. And they just don't make, they make losing plays, but they don't really very often make the winning play. So guys, the, the, the thing that, and I also don't think, yes, yes, Deshaun Watson was better, right? Yes, he was better, but they still scored 10 points. <laughs> they still, let me give you a stat that I looked up. Ready for a stat? One of 21. Do you know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. That is how many touchdowns they have and how many drives with Deshaun Watson in the last two games. They have one touchdown in 21 drives. Do you know what seven in 21 is? That's the number of touchdowns the San Francisco 49ers have the last two weeks with Brock Purdy. Seventh round, last pick in the draft, rookie. Seven touchdowns in 21 drives. Do you know what two of seven is? Two of seven is how many touchdowns the Los Angeles Rams had with Baker Mayfield, who showed up 48 hours before the game. One, I know he hasn't been playing, Dan. I know he's rusty. Brock Purdy, seven touchdowns, 21 drives. And yeah, guess what? They have a bunch of talent. They have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and a great defense. That's what the Browns are supposed to have. One touchdown in 21 drives, Dan. I don't care if Deshaun Watson hasn't played in 10 years. That's unacceptable. It's on Deshaun Watson. It's on this entire offense. It's on Kevin Stefanski. He was here. And I know he had, he was here. He was, should have been getting ready for 11 weeks. And when Brock Purdy can come in and score seven touchdowns in 21 drives and Deshaun Watson scores one in 21, something is wrong with the Cleveland Browns. Am I wrong to view it that way? No, and I think this is something I've hit on in some of these post-game pods over and over again, too. Like, you look at these situations where teams are winning on a week-to-week basis, and some of it is sustainable, some of it is not. But you look at how teams are figuring out ways to win. Doug, do you have any idea who played quarterback today for the Baltimore Ravens? Like, do you know, like, you know Tyler Huntley? you know the guy who played, yeah. who finished that game for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, the only reason I know it is because he beat Ohio State last year when I didn't think he was all that good. So I am i can't believe that that's who that is. But yes, Anthony Brown, I can't believe it. And like Baltimore like won the game. And they won the game with Tyler Huntley, who has never, I don't think he's ever won a start. Or maybe he's won like one start in his whole career. You know, it's stuff like that. It's. You know, the Jet now the Jets lost today, but all season they've been figuring out ways to win with Joe Flacco and Mike White and Zach Wilson and, and like you know, this stuff I think we're seeing a little bit with the Titans that at some point you do hit a ceiling, right? When your quarterback's not good enough and you're kinda of holding things together with gum and whatever else. But on a week to week basis, especially if you have talented players like Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb and all these guys we always talk about. You should find some ways to win, especially when Joe Burrow is out here winning with one receiver. I, yeah, I mean, the Browns should be finding ways to win, and Deshaun Watson has been practicing for four weeks now. So a little rest is okay, but you should be better offensively than you've been. I, I, think, it's, I, think, it's, I think that's fair. Is this not an indictment to some degree of Kevin Stefanski, Ashley, that they have not been able in these two weeks to be more productive offensively? with Deshaun Watson and everybody else they have. Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, what should be one of the best offensive lines in the league, and Deshaun Watson, and they've scored one offensive touchdown in two weeks. Um, Who's, whose fault is that, Ashley? Where do we start the blame game? I mean, I would argue that this entire season, for the most part, is kind of an indictment on Kevin Stefanski because, like, Again, if you needed more offensively while Deshaun Watson was out, then the organization needs to find a way to get it done. And again, for the last two years, it's felt like we keep kind of having the same complaints about Kevin Stefanski offenses, that 
they're too predictable or there's not enough chances taken or smart chances taken or you're supposed to be the smartest guys in the room, but you're getting outsmarted and you're not telling your running back to go down and the Jets beat you in the last second. Like, right, it's been, this stuff has kind of been building. It's not like we're sitting here after these two weeks and being like, man, this is like not good. This is not how we thought this would look. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I think maybe my expectations were already like kind of low for how these six games were going to go. So I'm not really necessarily like riled up about any of this because I did kind of expect it to be a little bit of a slog and that's what it's been. And that's the reality of the situation. And it's not really fair to players who lose a year of their careers or to fans who want to watch this team. And that's unfortunate, but I mean, Kevin Stefanski definitely deserves to be criticized in, in all of this. And I mean, I think he kind of always puts that blame on himself anyway. Um, so I think some things do need to need to change in that regard. But these are conversations we've been having, I guess, is kind of my point. They're not new because of the last two weeks. All right. I am going to push you on this a little bit, Ashley. This is a, I'm going to do it just this one time. But you, Dan, and I, we all picked the Browns. Why did you pick the Browns then if we're going to act like that's what I don't want to act like? Oh, well, it was a reason. You kind of understand why they lost. They've been lying to us all year. They've been lying to us and and posing as a, comp, a consistently competent team that there was a reason to pick to win on Sundays. They lost by two scores when the, when the Bengals didn't have Higgins or Boyd, when we thought they'd have both. Like, like I, I understand what you're saying, Ashley, but you also thought the Browns were going to win today, and they lost by two scores against a Bengals team that played a C-plus game. I think, like, I picked them to win because of everything that I've been saying. Like, I do think they match up well with the Bengals. I do think they should have won this game today. But my point is just that I'm just not surprised anymore when things go wrong with them. Like, they've been inconsistent. But I do think, like, on paper, again, because of, like, how they stomped the Bengals on Halloween and how they stomped them last year here, like, my view of the Bengals is just that, well, they can't really beat the Browns and the Browns match up with them really well. And the defensive backs get takeaways against them. And they came off of a game where they got takeaways going. So I'm like, maybe they'll be able to pull it off. But again, more of those things have been like the deep, the Browns defense matches up well with this Bengals offense when it's fully loaded was like what I was thinking coming into this one. And yeah, I think they missed an opportunity today, but I don't regret, you know, I said that at the time. I think Dan and I were both like, if the Browns, if the Bengals beat the Browns, like that's kind of what's supposed to happen. But I think the Browns, I thought the Browns had a legitimate chance today because of recent history, because of how they match up with them. And I don't think that's like a poor reason to pick that necessarily. And, and, and let me ask this too. Like it made zero sense for anyone to pick the Browns like last year during the Odell week, right? Like there was no, like what the Browns are going to go beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati's, was there any logic behind picking the Browns on Halloween? I think I was the only one that picked the Bengals on Halloween. Yeah. But I think that was still the right pick, even though the Bengals got destroyed in that game. Because no, because they didn't. Because the Browns the, were at home and they didn't have Jamar Chase. What was the lot? Okay, but. But the Browns didn't have, like, Denzel Ward in that game. <laughs> the Browns didn't have okay. Ward. Yeah, the Browns were shorthanded, <laughs> yeah. too, and, like, had lost four games in a row, and there was no logical reason to pick the Browns to win that game. Right. So I guess, like, to me, the reason I picked it is because this matchup has just always defied logic. It is yeah. always, like, the Browns have, should have never been picked to win any of these games. And for whatever reason, they did the Odell week, they did Halloween, and, and like, today, it was, it, today it finally happened. Like, today was the day when it was finally, like, okay, the Bengals... Yeah, don't, I don't they, know the, the Bengals, Bengals kind of did out. what they they're won. supposed to do on a limited roster, but, like... Again, for me, like in my perfect world, I would never pick games because weird things like this happen all the time. And like weird things like the recent this wasn't weird. Browns. This wasn't weird, but I'm saying like the Browns beating the Bengals on Halloween again is objectively weird, which was our argument. This is our, this is our argument starting on Friday. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe and take <laughs> a step back. We're going to practice some mindfulness. But like my point is, but let's, let me talk. My point is the Bengals are still like, for the most part, the same team they were on Halloween. They're actually a worse version of that team today because of the guys who didn't play. But the Browns, the Bengals are a better team, I think, than the Browns this right. year, which, like, we all know. So, like, I'm saying it's not a big jump to, like, I picked the Browns last time. I'm going to pick the Browns this time because I think certain matchups and things went their way. But, like, if they lose, it's like, well, the Bengals are better than them. So, like, the Bengals just finally did what they were supposed to do, kind of, in my mind. 
I think the Browns have tricked us at times into thinking that they are a competent football team. And I think, Dan, they have shown that they are unable to be a consistently competent football team. And I think they should get no benefit of the doubt from anybody until I don't know when. Because teams find ways to win, which is what we've been saying for the last 20 minutes, and they find ways to lose. They run into the punter. They get a 33-yard pass interference penalty. They let uh, Pirine run into the middle of the line and then decide not to tackle him because they can't find him. They do ridiculous things. There is a culture. I don't even know that it's a culture of losing, but it's a culture of not winning, Dan. They don't know what to do. They have better talent than this. They certainly have holes. But they, I think this is a benefit of the doubt that they have blown that carries over into next year. And everybody's like, well, you see what they're trying to be and when to shunt. I get it. But they also consistently, the only thing they consistently do is find ways to lose games they shouldn't lose. And I thought today was another master class in that, Dan. You can line up 10 things that shouldn't have happened, starting with running into the punter. But it's not just one thing. It's multiple things. And then the kicker is having a hissy fit because he get, doesn't get to try a 70-yard field goal when he's missed 30-yarders two of the previous three games. Like, I think it, I think they are in a bad spot with how they operate and how they they go about their business on Sundays, Dan. And they, I have no reason to have any faith in them until, right, people were saying, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick against – I'm going to pick the Browns to beat the Bengals until it's proven otherwise. I'm I'm going to not believe in what the Browns are doing until it's proven otherwise, because I think they've spent this entire season, Dan, having every reason for people to lose faith in them. Not just that. I mean, the last two years, right? But this yes. year in particular, for I mean, I geez, I forgot about the Samaje P. Ryan run where like guys were just standing around while he kind of just walked oh, yeah. out of the pile. And ran yeah, he literally yeah. walked out of the pile and ran to the right I, of the pile. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I'm not 100%. Am I going to pick the Browns on Saturday against a third-string quarterback? Maybe. Uh, maybe, but I don't know. And I think that's, like, the thing. That's where – I mean, I have definitely – Stopped giving this team the benefit of the doubt with the with the exception of this one matchup. Yeah, I was going to say it's like, not the it's not really the benefit of the doubt because like they've this done one, it. <laughs> this one matchup was the yeah. one thing I just couldn't. I was wrong too many times on it. I got burnt too many times, and so I decided to zag and go the other way. But I don't think I've given this team that much benefit of the doubt because again, you just get burned over and over again. And the one concern was, hey, you won two games against bad teams. And we know this team can get a little cocky sometimes, and we know what happens when they get a little bit cocky, and we saw it today. Yeah, no, I think that's true. It, it's it's amazing to me how much they found ways to lose and then still act after games like that they didn't just blow a game. Like it's, they, it's, they act. I guess I don't want them to. They they act like go. they act like fan like the fans talk about this team, right? Like. When you go into a season, you always hear, oh, my God. I mean, geez, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl last year. So I guess I did kind of fall for them then. But, you know, when people talk about this team every preseason, it's like, oh, my God, look at all this talent. Look how great they are. They're going to win this many games and go this deep in the playoffs. And then it doesn't. And then I feel like sometimes the way they think of themselves is similar to that. But they just don't have they haven't gone out and earned it yet. That makes sense. No, it makes total sense. All right, quick break. We'll come back and wrap this up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what is a curiosity, I think, at this point, right, for the final four games is the progress of Deshaun Watson. Ashley, that pick was at a really rough time for them because they had gotten back in the game, and if they can do something there, they have a shot, and he just throws late and gets baited into a pick. And I understand the guy is rusty, but, man, Ashley, what was your reaction to that moment because you could see flashes here and there, you know, when he was scrambling around and he ripped some throws uh, in certain situations, had the, the great throw when he was getting sacked and he got it out and made a great throw. But that man, Ashley, that pick was just a killer. What did you think of that? My reaction was that was when no joke, I'm not being funny. This is what I did. And Dan was sitting next to me. I turned my computer and finished writing my story and didn't really watch the end of the game because I knew that was it. That was it. Yep. And like you said, they, they kind of had the momentum and the, going towards them and uh, you know the whole game we're, we're talking and I'm like I don't know like this Bengals offense just they're not really getting it done like the Browns were kind of in it still like you were thinking they maybe have a chance to pull something off here if Deshaun Watson can rattle off some of these plays that you expect that eventually he's going to again um and instead it was that pick and I was like well I can my idea that I have is safe to write you know kind of go into more detail on that second quarter you know the first Bengals drive with the all the penalties and the Tony Fields roughing the punter call and, and I'm like I can write about this and safe and they're not going to make a comeback because that was that was it and I know like the Browns actually made a play they got a takeaway after that but I didn't you know I admittedly I didn't see it in real time I turned and looked up at the TV to watch it because I'd given up on the game at that point. Dan I, I do wonder if the rest of this season may be a bit like the only touchdown drive they have with Deshaun Watson so far, which is it, it came when they were down 17 and cut a three-score game to a two-score game, and they never got it back down to one score. I don't want people to be tricked by what might happen these final four weeks now that it's now that it's dead. That practically everybody else in the AFC, other than the Texans, practically is in the playoff race still, and they're really not. Um, do you think that what do you expect from Deshaun, the Deshaun Watson progression over this last month of the season? And how much do you think it can or can't tell us about what it's going to be like next year? I, I think today was a good step. And I think actually that, so the you mentioned the interception, right? You actually mentioned two plays. They were back to back. The play where he has a guy wrapped around his leg and he completes a pass to DPJ. And then the very next play is the interception. And if you if you think back to 2020, when the Browns played the Texans in the snow, I guess it wasn't snowy, but it was windy and rainy. And there was a play almost yeah. exactly like the one where Cam Sample had Deshaun Watson wrapped up and he completed a pass. It was Ronnie Harrison. He threw it to Brandon Cooks, I believe, whatever. Similar play. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Deshaun right now. And I think today was steps more in the positive direction. We saw a more confident guy. We saw a guy more willing to use his legs. We saw him actually rip a few throws. Like he wasn't doing that in Houston. And I think we're going to see, I mean, like they played Baltimore and Baltimore is not like their secondary is not great. And they were picking on Marcus Peters with Jacoby Brissett. So they're going to be able to pick on Marcus Peters with Sean Watson. They're going to play New Orleans, who is not great. They're going to play Washington, who is fighting for a playoff spot. But they have some, they're going to play some teams where Deshaun can maybe continue to look better and better. And I think that's real. I think that's going to help him going into next year. But I would also caution that I don't necessarily believe momentum at the end of the season always carries into the next year. I, again, Browns fans just have to go look at Eric Mangini's first year when they won like four in a row to end the year and looked great. And then they were terrible to start the next year. So every year is different. But you can do some things where you can get Deshaun feeling more like himself, 
you can give him some confidence, get him back up to game speed, so that when you're back in mid-April and getting on the field in May, you're you're not doing that stuff anymore. He's he's good to go. He's ready. He's hitting the ground at 100 miles an hour, 100%. So that's what you're trying to do. But as far as momentum from year to year, I don't always believe 100% in that. And the evolution of this, I read, the, the Deshaun Watson offense coupled with the Nick Chubb offense. What you want to see Deshaun Watson do, throwing the ball, running the ball at times, what you want to see with Nick Chubb running the ball. What do you think of the progress of that? What did you think of the attempted balance between the passing game and the run game on Sunday? I think there were strides in that, but I think that there was a missed opportunity, especially for the second game four regarding RPLs, also known as run pass options. Nothing had to be direct and stand still regarding a run or even a pass play. It could have been an option and, you know, kept the defense on themselves and kept them confused because when that is being done, you're telling the defense, the opposing defense in front of you, you have three guys that can kill you on the ground and Watson, Chubb, and I'll even throw in Hunter there because he gets going when he gets going. But I felt that there wasn't many, there wasn't many moments where they were able to do that. Well, or that they even attempted to do that. At times, you just have to flip the playbook a little bit more, and I felt like it could have been much better with that because Watson is, is lethal in that. During his, his days in Houston, he ran the RPO at least like 80 times, and ne- he nearly could have banked on 1,000 total yards and that's, you know, during his last full season in Houston alone. And the fact that he has this much talent around him or on paper, as we see offensively, I would think that's an, another scheme that they can do to keep defenses on their toes. So I'd like to see more of that coming up throughout the rest of the season. All right, Ashley, let's spin this back to Kevin Stefanski before we get out of here. Again, 21 full drives in the Deshaun Watson era so far. One touchdown, one safety, three field goals, three turnovers, three times losing it on downs, and 10 punts. I thought right in the in the first, what, Ashley, 20, 22 minutes of this game, the Browns clearly looked like the the better team. The Bengals couldn't get anything going. But the ridiculous fourth down Jacoby Brissett thing, whatever that was, and then they, on their their field goal uh, on their next drive, they had an, a third and short that they didn't execute. They at times actually like they they look. That's the thing, and I don't I just I don't want to hear any efficiency stats offensively. That like maybe maybe wins aren't a quarterback stat, but they are a coach stat, and so are points. So I can't believe Ashley that the way they looked early that they scored ten points. And I feel like that's Kevin. I thought Kevin took points off the board with the ridiculous play calling early. And I think there are just time after time where it feels like he does the wrong thing that doesn't work right when they need something to happen. And that is something that is going to certainly, I think, stick with Browns fans into this offseason that that whatever it is, it feels like he is not maximizing this offense. And I thought this was an example of that. Yes, the quarterback is rusty, but the way they came out, man, that 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 first drive, they had four, five great plays. That for again, well, first drive, great. Who, what, what's new about that? But actually, I, I can't, I can't believe what they looked like, and then what the scoreboard said. And I, to me, that's Kevin. So, two for me, like the prime example of this is on the very first drive of the game when, you know, third and one, you get a cream hunt run for no gain. Okay, so you bring in Jacoby Brissett. And we're like, makes perfect sense. This sneak is automatic. And what does Jacoby Brissett do instead? He gets the ball, he curls around towards the right side, and he overthrows a touchdown pass. And this is a prime example of why are we trying to outsmart everyone when, yeah, I get it. Like, in theory, I get it, right? Like, you're trying to bait the Bengals into this being a sneak, and then you're going to throw a little pass, and, and that's great. If Jacoby Brissett had, like, taken any kind of meaningful reps over the last two weeks and wasn't coming into that cold on for one random snap, like, at that instance, it's like either just do what works and do the sneak and say, hey, we're going to do this sneak because it's so automatic, we don't think you can stop it. Or leave your $230 million quarterback in there on fourth and one and let him try to make a play. So that's a prime example. I mean, I tweeted right after that. I'm like, I don't know why you get cute there. Just do do what you do well and what you can do better than most defenses in the league can stop. It just didn't make sense to me. So that's a prime example of that. I think those in particular 
are the plays that people remember about this offense. And Dan, I think, again, from a coaching aspect, you can just look at different things. Again, special teams gaff, huge gaff to run into the punter there. I thought another huge play was after, I think it was after the Browns touchdown, right, when they cut it to two scores, the first play from the Bengals is a 40-yard run on just a simple toss. Grant Delpit comes up and misses a tackle in the hole, and then Kowalski misses a tackle. And again, that, now that's on Joe Woods. Dan, it's just examples. Again, I just don't think that this team is well coached. I don't think they maximize their talent. I don't think they make plays when they need to. And I don't think they they do things that a winning team does. And I thought Mike Prefer, Joe Woods, Kevin Stefanski across the board once again on another Sunday. You saw that. You saw great. Mike Prefer, you had and Joe Woods, all the, the things last week against the Texans who are like a middle school team. I get it. Your defense scored, your special special team scored. Congratulations. You played a real team today. And when the team needed something, at every moment, every unit failed them. And I that has there's a part of that, Dan, that just has to go back to the coaching and the culture of this team, which is every Sunday, them finding a way to do the thing that's going to prevent them from winning. Yeah, and on defense, they were having a lot of sub issues early in the game, and at one point it got them. Like, they had to – they couldn't figure out what – I can't remember who was running off and who was, was running off. It was linebackers. It was JOK and Tony Fee. Yeah, and, and they, had to, they had to burn a timeout, or Cincinnati was going to get them for too many men on the field. And lo and behold, at the end of the first half, you really could have used an extra timeout there. Instead of having to set up and throw a Hail Mary. And it's just, it, they looked disorganized again today. They looked like a team that just, like, look, substitute. sometimes the wrong guy goes in. Sometimes those things happen throughout the season. But it looked really disjointed early. And you really had a lot of instances where, and this is on defense. This isn't like with a new quarterback with the headset and working with Kevin Stefanski for the first time. This is the defensive side of the ball. You had substitution issues and couldn't get the right guys on the field. And I don't know what, what they were doing with Jamar Chase. It, it was just a really frustrating game all around. And sometimes it feels like this team is so married to schemes that they don't always make the adjustments they need to make to what they're facing or, or what they're going against. And I, I think that maybe applies to both sides of the ball at times. All right, that'll do it. Cleveland Browns fall to five and eight. And we just want to remind everybody that if this is it, that we do this properly. Because you don't get to just shove this to the side. Because this was a football season. I don't know. I, I, do you guys know? Just let me double check on this. I, sometimes you guys have the facts. Out. Did they make fans pay for tickets this year? Or did they give the tickets away for free? I'm just checking. I believe they made them pay. So they, made, they made them pay? So this was like a real NFL season? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, so it counts then. So it counts then. So they're five and eight, and they're going to lose at least two more games, and they blew it. And everybody's on the hook for it from the top to the bottom. So congratulations to the Cleveland Browns for building a roster that they thought was primed to make a Super Bowl run and tossing an entire season out the window for a guy who, when he came back, doesn't even look like he, he can't even be Brock Purdy. Oh, if only Deshaun Watson, the $230 million quarterback, were as good as Brock Purdy. And that guy for the Rams, where did he come from? All right, now I went too far. That's too far. See, I cut my legs out from under me. Saying, oh, if they had Baker Mayfield, they all should be better, and they're not. So blame them. Roast them from top to bottom. The 5-8 and eight Cleveland Browns. For Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, and Ashley Bastock, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was the Orange Brown Talk Podcast.